Hello and welcome to Kingdom Conversations, a ministry of Faith Covenant Church. We are so excited to have you today as we talk about all things related to the Kingdom of God. Hello and welcome back for another episode of Kingdom Conversations. I have a table here filled with men who love God, who are um, passionate about the things of God. And tonight we're going to be talking about um, topics like the second coming, what happens after you die. Um, And we're going to just see what the Holy Spirit has for us through this conversation. So I'm going to go around and have each person introduce themselves. And I'm going to start with our newest guest. It is somebody that I have long just so been blessed to watch and admire because he loves the Lord with all of his heart. And so I'm going to ask him to introduce himself tonight. And will you tell us a little bit, how did you come to know the Lord yourself? Oh, yeah. My name is Josh, Josh Page, and it's a, a blessing to be here with you guys. Um, I came to know the Lord when I was just going into my freshman year of high school, and I lived in Nevada in a little tiny desert town, no Walmarts, no stoplights, and um, wow. yes, and I and I hated God back then. I blamed Him for for all the all the bad things that happened in my life, um, from family problems to uh, brothers who had disabilities and. Our mom had left us for alcohol, and um, but in that summer, uh, before my freshman year of high school, I got a gift for my birthday, and it was a Bible from my great-grandma, and it wasn't really for the Bible's sake that I read it, but really for her sake, because I respected her, and I, I loved her, and I just started in Genesis, the very beginning. I didn't understand a lot of what I read, um, but there was something about it that was very compelling that... Um, I couldn't put down, and there was something that was awakened inside of me, and it was just this knowledge that I'm not right with God, that I'm not as good as I had thought that I was. And eventually, um, through relationships, through people, and through more and more scripture, I began to see the light of the gospel and what Jesus has done for us. So that summer, God transformed my heart, and the first thing that happened was that I had this love, one for God, that I never had before, but I had love for people, uh, people that were very difficult, that I did not love at all. And I, that's, uh, that was the moment I knew something pretty radical had happened. You know what I love about your testimony? It's the role that we get to play in other people's lives. So maybe you didn't read the Bible to know the Bible. You read it to please your grandma. But God is good that way, isn't yeah. he? Yes, <laughs> because he, he got is. you to the Bible, and then he did what only he could do. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. And so did your grandma get to see you come to know the she Lord? She did. And I remember she actually called one day shortly after she gave me the Bible. And I wanted to like impress her. So I said, this is a total lie. But I said, Grandma, I memorized that verse that you told me. And I opened it up to John three sixteen. I just read it, <laughs> pretend like I had memorized it. That was before. That was before yeah. Yeah. God changed my heart. Um, but she did. She um, got to see me love the Lord. And, and she died probably like 10 years later. So we had a good time together um, after that. I am so glad you shared that. And listener, I pray that blesses you. Maybe there's somebody you're praying for in your life who doesn't know the Lord. Maybe they're angry and we just keep loving them well. And then God allows us to be a part of his plan. And then our next two guests, um, they've already been here. So it is our lead pastor, Pastor Kevin, and our small groups pastor, Pastor James. So I'm asking them a little bit of a different question since um, we know a little bit about who you are. What was the transformational point in your life, Kevin? 
Yeah, for me, well, I would say it actually happened right here in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, a group of men from this church actually invited me to go to Promise Keepers. And I thought I was newly married. Um, I didn't know a whole lot about my Bible. I was pretty good at, at kind of faking it, knowing kind of the popular verses. And they invited me to go to the old sombrero, the old Tampa Bay Stadium. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, and so I went there one man, and I walked through the door at my house, and my wife said, what happened to you? And I said, I, I don't know, but I, I've got to read my Bible. And that started a journey for me. That's the very first time I ever read my Bible completely through. So that was mid-90s, but... That has forever transformed me. That crisis of belief, that moment in my life was so instrumental in me becoming who I am today. And it all started with the Holy Spirit just dropping on top of me in, a, in maybe a fresh way, I guess. And, and I had a desire and a longing for His Word that's been insatiable ever since. That's amazing. Now, for those of us that have known you since you've been here at Faith Covenant, there was a life before pastorhood where you owned your own business. Is that right? Correct. Here in St. Petersburg. I own a computer company here in St. Petersburg. And then so when did you go from owning a computer company to becoming a pastor? Well, I was serving here after high school. I attended youth group at this church and headed to University of South Florida and was still being a part of the leadership of the youth group. I, I moved right in and started serving and early on, people began to affirm in me a calling to ministry. I didn't know exactly what that means. I just loved it. I just loved every moment oh, of ministry. Yeah. And I, I think I knew at 18 that that's what I was supposed to do. But I told myself, pastors don't make money. I <laughs> had a real problem with authority at that time in my life. Um, and I thought, I'm not doing any of that. I'm not getting involved in any of that. I will start a company. I will give to my church. I will serve. I will fund. But I'm not doing that whole pastor's thing. And so I went through um, seven or eight, eight years of God in his mercy blessed our business. But I grew more and more discontent with what I was doing until my wife finally came to me and said, you need to figure this out because you're growing more and more miserable to live with because you're in disobedience. And I thought, well, that's not fun to hear from your wife. Who asked <laughs> wow. you? you know, but, uh, but you go, that's a, it's, it was an intense time for us, yeah. and we decided to take that next step because she never planned on being a pastor's wife. Yeah. That wasn't what she desired at all either. But she desired obedience. Absolutely. So, Lori, if you are listening to this podcast, it is such a joy when we get to see behind the scenes oh, yes. the role that God uses our spouses in helping us walk in obedience. Our church does not understand that I am the pastor I am because of who she is and the ministry yes. she does behind the scenes. Yeah, it's I totally very important. can see that. I t she keeps everything, yeah. Absolutely. Peaceful. Um, and so, James, I'm going to ask you the same question. What was a transformational point in your life? Yeah, so for me, it came um, near the end of my college experience. I grew up in a pastor's home, and so for me, that was just my culture. You go to church, you serve Jesus. That's just kind of um, what you did, and I went to um school to be either a pastor or a missionary, kind of felt God was calling me to missions, again, just because that's all I had known. And, um, but I had a problem, and the problem was I was single. And if you go overseas single, then you die a lonely old man. And so, <laughs> I, at least that's what I 
I figured so I'd talk I had not heard that. That's news to me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, you know, I did what, what we do sometimes, which you shouldn't do. I, I made God a deal. God, you give me a wife and, and I'll go overseas. And that was my deal. And of course, God doesn't play that way. Um, he's like, no, um, you go and you just got to decide, are you going to serve me because of obedience, because that's what you're supposed to do? Or is it because you want something in return because it's your culture? Cause that's the way you grew up. That's what your family did. And so the middle of my senior year of college, we, I don't even remember what it was. There was some speaker and it's finally when God broke me and I said, all right, God, I'll, I'll go overseas. And if that means I never get married and have a family, then, you know, I'll, I'll do it. And so I enrolled in um, a seminary and a missions program. I was going through the process. I was supposed to go to Nepal. And for me, I think it was um, like Abraham sacrificing Isaac on the altar because I went all the way through the process. I was approved, ready to be sent to Nepal. And that's when my relationship with my now wife changed. Yeah. And God said, all right, you're willing. You're going to do it. And then he gave me a wife. And so I think for me, that was just the moment of, am I going to serve God for what he gives me? Or am I going to serve God because I love him and I love people? Wow. And that's a big transformational shift in thinking. Right. And can I just say how glad I am that God did what he did? Because I love your Timory. She is such a blessing in my she life. Is. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. And she's now with Door of Hope. Is that right? Correct. She is um, in the process of getting trained to be able to license foster families to make a difference in the, the foster kids in our community. That is so incredible. Josh, I don't want to leave your Melissa out. So your Melissa, she's a nurse. Is that right? She is. Yeah. She's a nurse. And we're getting ready to have her on next week. Um, and we're going to have you two share your story. So um, everybody will get to know her better as well. Yeah. We're looking forward to doing that yeah. together. Yeah. And you have three small children. How old is we the do. baby now? Um, two months. Wow. Two months old. Our, our little girl. We have a two-year-old son and a seven-year-old son. That is just so incredible. There are a lot of... They're a handful, but they're a blessing. Yeah. You know, some of my favorite things when I see you on Facebook is how you bring Simon right in to evangelizing others, how he just walks up and talks, yeah. like he, he's got it going on at seven. Yeah. yeah. He, he's gotten a lot shyer now, now that he's gotten a little bit older. Oh, he, yeah. No, no, dad, no, dad. Yeah. But um, yeah, he, he, we've had a lot of great um, evangelism adventures together. Well, what a perfect place to be tonight, because guess what? Evangelism is one of our conversations. So why don't we start there then? So um, Kevin, talk about the difference between the spiritual gift of evangelism and what scripture says obediently about evangelism. It's interesting because I think people have used the excuse of, I don't have the gift of evangelism, therefore I'm free from the biblical I would say mandate of sharing your faith with your circle of influence. And we've used that as an excuse. We've told ourselves that we don't know enough, that we don't know what to say, we don't know how to get from the secular to the sacred. We've made excuses, really, is what it's been. And so there's a calling on all of our lives to be uh, witnesses, that yeah. we're going to be his witnesses uh, in my living room across the street, in my workplace, in my city, and beyond, yes. uh, to the ends of the earth, and that I'm responsible for being uh, a witness bearer there. But there are people that are uniquely gifted that when they share, they tend, uh, people tend to come to know Christ very, very frequently with, with them. It's a manifested gift. The person who has that gift doesn't control it. It just happens. God just, 
uses them in a mighty way. I love that you just said that. They don't control it because I think that's the mindset of maybe it's Americans per se, but we think we're gifted with healing or we're gifted with evangelism and it makes it about us, not about the Holy Spirit. Right. And even frequency doesn't mean you have or don't have the gift, how frequently you share. Because as believers, we are supposed to be sharing our faith consistently and regularly and with passion and with urgency. But there are people that when they share, something's different about them. And so what we tend to do as Christians is relegate it to those people. But they go, I don't control when and where and how it comes out. I'm faithful. I'm obedient. But God just uses them, and it's really fun to watch. Someone who's got the spiritual gift of evangelism, it's fun to watch. It is. It's inspiring. Mm-hmm. So before we go any further, I'm going to ask you, um, one of the things our church is walking through is the gospel primer, and we're learning how to really have the love for the lostness of our city. Would you share some statistics for St. Petersburg? You bet. I think most people don't understand the lostness of our city. And it's one thing to talk about our country or our state. It's another thing to talk about my neighborhood and my city. The city of St. Petersburg, just our city, 267,000 people within our city. If you include, if you push the beaches into that and you push Kennesaw City, Gulfport, all that, 280. Um, If you look at the number of churches in our uh, city, About 130, but that includes everybody. That includes Christ scientists, Buddhists, any faith tradition whatsoever. Really gospel-centered churches, my guess, I haven't visited them all, but I'm guessing about 50 is what we're dealing with. If you start doing the numbers and you start looking at what stats say about how many people in our city profess faith in Christ and Christ alone, we're only talking 20, 30% of our of our city. And it's not improving, it's getting worse. And how much longer are the churches going to sit by and say, um, it's okay that we lose our city, that it grows in darkness. 150 people every day move into the Tampa Bay area. 150 people. If a percentage of those come to know Christ, what churches are they going to go to? And how will they be shepherded? And who is going to love them and care for them and help them grow and train them and equip the saints? We don't have enough churches. We don't have enough believers on fire. We're losing our city right now. Your individual church might be growing, but we're losing our city. And that breaks my heart. That just breaks my heart. But there's hope in that. And so what is that hope? Well, for me, I'm going to use a phrase. Someone else has used it, but it's a holy discontent. For me, no more. This is my home city. I was born here no more. There's got to be a better way. And I've used this phrase before that if... Jesus were to write a letter to the city of St. Petersburg like he did in the book of Revelation. It would not be to Faith Covenant Church. It would be to the Church of St. Petersburg, which means anyone who says you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, uh, you are Christ in Christ alone, the letter would be written to them. Therefore, churches have to partner together to reach the areas where people live, learn, work, and play together. And so um, our city is birthing something called the St. Pete Collective, a collective of churches that are on fire, that are going to work together and move resources around to reach every man, woman, and child of the 280,000 in our region. Yeah, because we are the church. Absolutely. It's not the building. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I saw, Josh, I saw you nodding as you're doing. That is your heart, isn't it? Yeah, it it is. I, I I love what you shared. You do see that when you just engage with people at work or just you meet someone on the street and you just ask how their day's going. 
things get brought up that becomes very apparent where they stand and what they believe. And so often it's not truth. It's not biblical. It's, it's a, a great deception. And I'll often, when, if I'm talking with somebody, I'll have often ask them, you know, what do you think happens after we die? Or what do you think is in the afterlife? Or what do you think about um, God? And it's just a very generic, you know, just what, what's your opinion? People love sharing what they believe. They should love talking about themselves. And um, so almost always they'll respond. And it is almost always um, a heaven or a good place because of my goodness, because mm-hmm. of my righteousness. Mm-hmm. And it is, I so rarely meet someone who, who truly knows the Lord that it's yeah. because of the work, the finished work of Jesus and, and his work alone. Um, so you see that all around. And I like that phrase, the holy discontent. We should be discontent. I remember when Paul wrote to the Philippians, he told them that, he said, I've, I've told you before, and I say it with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of hmm. Christ. So he didn't just say, hey, guys, people are lost. That's just what happens. He said, I, I'm writing this with tears, that, that people live as enemies yes. of, of Christ. And he re- wrote to the Romans, he said that he, he basically wished that he could be cut off yeah. for the sake of his Jewish brothers and sisters, yeah. that, that they could be yeah. uh, in his place, that they would know Christ. So you see that in, in Paul, you, you see that in Jesus when he looked at the crowds and he was moved with compassion. He, had a, he was not content yeah. with people being harassed and helpless without a shepherd. And, and he did something, it, it moved him to action. It moved Paul to action. And it should move us to action, whether you're a pastor or just a, a mechanic. What I love about what you just shared is we can look at the lostness of our cities. We can read the gospel primer. We can read the Bible and we can formulate a plan to go out and do this A plus B equals C. But what you're talking about as you share, Paul, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit plays the role. We can't leave that out. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, coupled with this initiative and this plan, God breaks our heart. Our heart has to be broken. It can't be that it's the box to be checked. Um, James, we were talking before we got started. You had some staggering, staggering statistics. Would you share those with us? Yeah, so the um, um, Lifeway and Ligonier Ministries just partnered to do a state of theology survey in America, and they surveyed um, a little over 3,000 people, asked them several questions to really screen out who would be considered Christians. It was a good set of questions, really, to show who is believers, who they called evangelicals. And the the statistics were very sad that um, Jesus, one of the questions was, is Jesus the only way to God, or does God accept the worship of other religions? And over half of evangelicals, 56%, said that God will let people of other religions into heaven, that um, there are other ways. Um, 73% of evangelicals thought that Jesus is a created being, that he is not, he has not always existed, but that God created him. And then the, the last one I'll share is that 43%, almost half of evangelical Christians agree that Jesus was a great teacher, but they don't believe that he was actually God, which goes along with that if he was created. And so they're missing out a lot on what the Bible teaches. So I'm going to stop there and ask, Josh, that's probably something you get hit with a lot when you are, because you do street evangelism, you talk to people, and they think all gods lead to heaven. How do you respond to them? Yeah, that is very true, that that thought right there. And really, I'll just ask them, like, 
you know, we'll be ch- chatting. I'll say, okay, so you, uh, Frank, right? Was your name? And they'll say, no, it was it's Charles. I said, oh no, Frank. No, it's it's Charles. And I'll just throw this little thing at them, and I'll just say, see, like, y- you have a problem with me calling you by a different name mm. because you have an ev- you have evidence, you have a driver's license, you have a birth certificate, you've got something that, that this is a source of truth that your name is Charles. And so for me to come along and, and give you a different name, I have no basis for that. And that's what we've done. That's what people have done is they've they've put their own opinions. And it's idolatry. You know, we almost laugh at, like, cultures that would make golden calves. Or, you know, like we read about in, in Exodus. We would never do that. But we do it all the time in our mind. We create a God that, that suits us, that's comfortable to us, that um, would be okay with our favorite sins. And, and that's idolatry. And, and we're all guilty of it. And it's one of those things when I'm talking with somebody that I just... I love if they're willing to just really stick around for a little bit and, and begin to uncover some of these things because then you get to introduce them to who the true Savior is mm-hmm. and the, the, the beauty and the, the glory of Jesus. Gosh, that is so good. I love putting it back on the identity. Yeah, and just the way that you did that relationally. Kevin, when you hear statistics like that, and I know your heart for God, what does that do for you? What does that do to you? Well, I hadn't read that yet, so when James shared that with me, a whole lot of thoughts came through. If that's true, half the people who profess faith in Christ are not believers. They will not be in heaven. They do not know Jesus. They, do, they have not trusted him because if he's not God, he, he, he didn't conquer death. He, could, he couldn't have done the things he said he did. Um, and that's a that should be a major problem for a lot of people. It should really rock their world. It certainly um, caused me to kind of raise my eyebrows, even with with some of the priorities we have and some of the intentionality we bring to to really hammer some things home. Assurance of salvation, what it means, who Jesus was, who he is, and will who he will forever be. That that has to be what we call at our church a right concept of Christ. So one of our six priorities here is we need our people to have a right concept of Christ, so that they see him Old Testament, they see him uh, New Testament, and we see him who he will be forevermore uh, as as the Bible comes to a close. This has been such an incredible conversation, and we're getting so short on time. So I'm going to ask if I can um, wrap up with one more question, and then would you guys be willing to come back and let's do another episode? Because there's no way in seven minutes I can accomplish all the questions that are flowing through my mind and that I have already put out there. So if I were to ask you, Josh Page, um, when you when you are out and you are just going about your daily life, what does it look like when you look at people that you don't even know? I know that you have the gift of evangelism that Pastor Kevin was talking about. It like drives you and inspires others that, that get to watch God. They're, he becomes the hero of your life. That's what I love about it, right? So what does it look like when you are in a coffee shop, you see somebody sitting there, and you're going to strike up a conversation? What does that look like? Well, you know, it's very natural because Jesus, you know, he would just talk to people like the woman at the well. Um, Paul would, in Acts 17, he would just happen to, whoever would happen to be in the marketplace, he would reason with and talk with. And so it's not like this weird, you know, uh, you have to put on a a special suit and, you know, approach them in a strange way. I just simply will first, like, maybe ask, how's your day going? Um, We'll be in conversation about something that's going on around us. 
And then at some point, whether I start with this or it's just after we've talked for a little while, I'll just say, hey, can I ask you an interesting question? Sure. What do you think happens once we die? And that question, it sounds strange when you hear it, but it, it, most people are, are more than willing to answer that. And other times it'll happen in a totally different way. Like actually on the way here, before coming to, for this recording, I had been down by the water downtown just walking and praying. And I went back to my car and I went to the wrong car. It was a car that just looked just <laughs> like mine. And next to that was a guy with his doors open putting his rollerblades on. And I realized I was in the wrong car. I said, oh, I'm sorry, never mind, wrong car. <laughs> and I said, but wait, you know what? Before I leave, though, we, we met for a reason. And I gave him a gospel track. So I carry those around. And I just said, make sure you get this or make sure you read this. It, I think we met for a reason. And I just started to walk away. But he said some, some comment I didn't understand. So I turned around and he said, you know, this is great because I'm, I've been trying to change things in my life wow. lately. And I was able to use that and just explain the gospel message and how Jesus is the one who changes us. So... It, it looks different, but it's just very natural, and it's really just caring about a person, and then as you're talking with them, being able to introduce them you know, to our Savior. One of the things, if I can interject, that's very unique there is a portion of that is a spiritual gift, but the portion that is not a spiritual gift is prayerful dependence. Mm. He was sensitive and aware and willing yeah. and said, Father, I will say what you want me to say. I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do. And that anybody can do that. And so on the flip side of that is I'm in target. The Holy Spirit goes off in me and says, talk to the lady behind the counter. And it's on a Sunday afternoon. I'm spent. I don't want anything. I want to get home. I want to take a nap. I, you know, I've been on since 7 in the morning. And I'm going, I'm not doing it. And I'm walking away, packing up my stuff, going, I'm not talking to this lady. So I know, because I have yeah. allowed myself, I, I've, I, I want to hear the Holy Spirit. I want to have opportunities. But that's not a gifting. That is me being aware of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's every believer. Yes. And so what he has done or demonstrated very well is the faithfulness to go, I will do it. Yeah. Regardless of how I feel, regardless yes. of what I think. And so... I want to make sure the audience doesn't miss that, yeah. that there's a yeah. normal side of every believer, and then there might be a, a gifting side of that as well. I think that was important that you just shared your testimony too, because we learn from those situations. I've had my own, I've, I've shared my story here where um, I had a neighbor who was walking through a really hard time and the Holy Spirit was saying, stop and talk with her, but I was going to be late. And so I left her to come to church. And I remember, like, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't rest. God is so good. She's my neighbor, so she's stuck with me, and I was able to go back later. But I missed out on that blessing yeah. because I didn't have the prayer. I was more focused on my agenda. Yeah, I argued all the way out yeah. to the car mm -hmm. with the Holy Spirit. I got in my car and had to sit there. Yeah. I got up, walked all the way back inside, and the lady's crying. And then I felt even worse. Oh. And so I just said, I, I came back because I felt like I was supposed to talk to you. And she just said... Thank oh. you. And she started crying. So I just prayed for her. I didn't even ask her. I just prayed for her. And she goes, I feel so much better now. I said, have a great day. And I walked out. And I thought, yeah. what just happened yeah. in my life that yeah. I am a mess, that I couldn't do that? That models, we talk about this in Salt and Light all the time, that it's not how we start, it's how we finish. Because sometimes we think if we don't do it perfectly, we can't do it at all. Get in my car, go home. Next time I'll get it right. But you didn't. You got out of your car. You went back in and you finished. Well, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to keep saying this. Kevin is not the hero of this story. Oh, Jesus no. Christ in Kevin is the hero and of his, this story. His consistent uh, 
push on my life to go, here's the opportunity. You pray for opportunities. Here's the opportunity. Here's the opportunity. Here's the opportunity. And so for me, I needed to go. uh, I had to spend some time in confession because I was disobedient ahead of that. And that's not a fun place as your pastor to say, I was disobedient to the Holy Spirit. I mean, I said, I'm not doing it. And boy, and I know every person listening, every person listening, probably every person at this table has had that moment. I'm going to close. We have just a few minutes. So this is a big whomper to throw at you, but you led a Wiccan to the Lord. Is that right? Or what, what, tell me about that. No, I did not lead her to the Lord. She started coming to my church. She was a bit confused. She was a former um, palm reader. Actually, that was her profession, and she started coming to my church, and I was able to work through her with a lot of stuff. She had a bit of Catholicism in her. I was able to work through that stuff and ended up baptizing her, but it was just neat to see the progression that she made coming from such a radically anti-Christian background to coming around to recognizing that Jesus is the Son of God. That is so powerful. And all of these things are led by the power of the Holy Spirit, not only in us doing our part, but he's moving them into our path and to be seeking and hungry and thirsty, right? So audience, I'm going to ask you to stay tuned. Hang on. We're going to be back next week and we're going to continue this conversation. There's no way we're going away without finishing it up. We look forward to seeing you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Josh and Kevin and James. Um, And we're so grateful to the Holy Spirit and his faithfulness to us in this conversation tonight. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to Kingdom Conversations. We look forward to you joining us next week.